0: You would turn to the Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Now seemed as good a time as ever for us to look at the idea of death. You know, I don't think we've had to take any of our children to a, a funeral yet. I've often wondered should children be at funerals. You know, that's a good that's a good conversation to have, should children be at funerals, and at what age should they start going, and certainly all of that's a little bit relative subjective, it depends on who it is that's passed away, how close they are, and that sort of thing. I'd imagine that if I was to die, my kids would go, they would need to be there, but I, you know, my kids didn't go to Ray's funeral, you know, um, that sort of a thing, that's, that's something to think about, but death is such a huge concept that it's really a lot to take in, is it not? It's, it's a big deal. What happens when we die? What's Ray Harris doing right now? All right? That, that, that's a big idea. And yet, if death means that life is over and there's nothing there left in that person at all, that's weird to think about, right? It's just, it's just a body. And yet, we go to a funeral and they're laid out there in the casket, albeit that they've been embalmed, um, they're there. And at this funeral Friday, Val came and she brought Liliana with her. And you know Liliana's small, still just two years old, but she had her. And even when Val came through the pass line, Liliana was kind of in awe at it. She was, Val was holding her, but she was looking and looking and looking at Ray there. And we didn't necessarily take her over and, and lean her over to casket or anything. We didn't, we didn't need to do that, but she was interested. It's fascinating, right? If you've never been to a funeral... Um, it is interesting to see somebody laid out there. A lot of feelings that go with that. If you're talking about somebody you don't know, then you can talk about it kind of in the abstract like that. But if it's your loved one, that, that changes it all the more. That's that person or that person's body. How are we to think about death? Nobody likes to. I have tried really hard over the last couple years to get you to think about that. I've written that article on funerals and why I think they're so important. I told Val again just how meaningful they are to me. They stir my heart, and anything that stirs your heart is good and points you toward the Lord. Anything that that causes you to be a better man or woman, husband or wife, mother or father, friend or neighbor, is, is good for you, and funerals do that. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gets to talking about death, but he does it in such an interesting way. If you don't know 1 Corinthians 15, you ought to. This is the biggest chapter on the resurrection. It's a long chapter. It is 58 verses long, and the whole thing is about the resurrection of Jesus. If you look at chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 15, if you look at, the, if you look at chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, the first two verses... He says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Awesome intro. In that intro, he has the preaching of the word of God, being able to believe it, and how critical it is to believe the gospel. The gospel is preached. The gospel comes from the word of God. And the gospel, if you're going to be saved, must be your complete identity. Read those two verses again. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So you take those two verses And he's saying that the gospel must be your identity. There is no half identity. You are either, like I said this morning, completely a God worshiper or you're not worshiping God. There are all these religious tendencies and all these religious things in your life, but it's not this type of identity in the gospel of Jesus. In verses three and four, though, he makes very clear what that gospel is. So notice this is the word of God That explains the gospel that they must believe and take it as their identity. Verse 3 says For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Two times, Paul says there, according with the scriptures, in accordance with the scriptures. Two times there, Paul is making the emphasis that this is what the word of God says. The word of God is the authority. And what is it that it teaches? Christ died for our sins. After he died, they buried him. After they buried him, he was raised on the third day. The death, the burial, The resurrection. He calls the death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures twice. He calls the death, burial, and resurrection that is according to the scriptures the most important thing. He calls the death, burial, and resurrection that is according to the scriptures that is the most important thing. He calls that the message that he preached. And he calls that the thing they believed by which they have the assurance of their salvation. You know how I love to tell y'all that people say the Bible's hard to read and hard to understand? Well, this right here is not. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 are basic. Now, you may doubt the death, burial, and resurrection. You may doubt that salvation can come from that, but it is clear that that's what it says. Paul goes on from there, though, and really elaborates on the resurrection. From that point on to verse 11, he's talking about, the people that saw Jesus, that Jesus was really alive. And there was a time that he was alive and around after, he, after the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what he talks about. From there, he goes on and talks about um, what it means if Jesus is not risen and what it means if he is risen. Like, what are the implications of this? And then if you get over to verse 35, he starts talking about what that means. We have the resurrection body and what that means not only for Jesus being raised, but for others who will be raised too. This idea or the concept of a resurrection, a resurrection for us. And then you get to the end of this great chapter on the resurrection. And he brings it home. When I say he brings it home, folks, here's what it means. Death is a huge, complicated, complex subject, is it not? Somebody laying in a casket is interesting. Wondering where Ray is right now is interesting. If Ray were not a believer, wondering where he would be right now is interesting. You get to thinking more and more about death and Jesus says the dead in Christ will rise. We're going to get new bodies. There's a lot there, right? But what the resurrection says, a very simple breakdown of the resurrection, means this. God overcame death. God overcame death. Death is not final In the power of God. Death is not that bad when it comes to God. And this is what Paul is getting at at the end of this great chapter on the resurrection. Look with me at verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So, see, he's talking about what will happen to the dead who will receive the resurrection. He's talking about the dead of those who are trusting in Christ or have trusted in Christ. He's talking about what happens to dead believers. Verse 53, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And what Paul is doing at this point in 1 Corinthians 15, and you've all heard those verses before, what Paul is saying is that death is not that bad. Death's not that big. Death is not that final. He is, in in many ways, mocking it. He's asking death some questions. He's asking death some questions. It's not a big deal. Now, every one of us have been to funerals and every one of us have lost loved ones. Death is a big deal. You never really get over it. See, a lot of times when somebody's not feeling well or it's kind of a small problem, and I usually say this at funerals too, then we just kind of, if somebody's got a headache or they're stressed out, then you just kind of talk to them and say, well, keep your head up, man. Don't let it beat you down, right? Don't let it get to you. Just keep it up. Hang in there, right? That's how we talk to people. But if you've called Anna Harris today or yesterday, I hope you didn't say that. Or if you've talked to Phyllis over the past couple days, I hope that hope you said something a little more than that. Because death is in this category of heavy, difficult, hard. It's the end of a life, and you only get one life. And here Paul mocks it. What is it that allows him to make death not that big of a deal? One thing, the truth of a risen Jesus. The truth of a risen Jesus. This truth that Jesus Christ is the most important thing and that he died according to the scriptures, that he was buried on the third day, rose again according to the scriptures, this truth that we just read in verses 3 and 4 is the thing that shifts death from being this horrible consequence wage of sin to being not that big of a deal. And he mocks it. Death is swallowed up in victory. You know what that means? You win by dying. That's what that means. Yes, You realize that right now, if if this was a game or a competition, Ray Harris just beat us all. If you don't like that analogy, what do you think Paul means when he says, run the race, that you may finish, right? Finish means make it to the finish line with the hope of eternal life, with the belief in a resurrection. Death swallowed up in victory. And then he asked, death, where's your victory? Death, where is your sting? Why this idea of sting? And then in verse 56 he says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Where, Why this idea of sting? You know what a sting is, don't you? Man, it, we hate getting stung. I don't know if you've been stung this summer by a bee or a a wasp or a, uh, it seems like when you're around a pool or whatever, you've got these things called horse flies. I don't think that's actually a sting. That's more of a bite actually. But you know what I mean. These wasps will sting you and it bothers you. And sometimes people are allergic and it'll swell up. And I remember being a kid, I, I still don't know the connection with it, but I remember being a kid when I would get stung, my dad would find some chewing tobacco and would, would, would chew on it real quickly and then put it on there. And something about that would help it, heal it, and draw the stinger out, right? You've all heard of that. Y'all, sin stings, does it not? Man, the Bible is just so good and helpful. You need to read the Bible more. If you read it every day, stick with it. If you don't, get with it. It's just so good. Sin stings. I don't even know what y'all are going through right now, but every one of us are still stinging a little bit from sin. Maybe not your own, perhaps some of your own sins are stinging for you right now. But just sins in our midst, in our family. If you're white, it stings a little bit that white supremacy is even a concept, right? That stings. There are some white people in the world that think White people are superior to others. That stings. Sin stings. But notice what he says. And the wages of sin is death. So, like, the ultimate stinging of sin is death. But notice what he says. Where's the sting? Where's the sting? You everybody see that in verse 55? Oh, death, where is your sting? In what world does death not sting? In what situation does death not sting? When that which is of most and first importance That which he preached to them, that which they believed, that which they're hoping in, that which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the key to eternal life, is your sure and certain hope so that you know that when you draw your last breath, things are only going to get better from here on out. There is no sting. There literally is no sting. Now, let's be honest about this. I don't even want to use the word sting because that's a different concept. There, there is somewhat of a, of a discomfort and, a, and, a, and a, a suffering that comes for us that are left here. I don't want to minimize at all what a, what a Phyllis Dobson or Anna Harris are feeling right now or what every one of y'all are feeling right now because you've lost loved ones before. I understand that. But that's not a sting uh, in the sense that this is talking about, but what I do want to point out to you that we need to remind ourselves time and time again. We need to remind ourselves this week that the Bible mocks the sting of death for those who hope in the Lord Jesus. The Bible mocks the sting of death for those that hope in the Lord Jesus. Do you remember what we read in the beginning? Psalm 116? Do you remember verse 15 from Psalm 116? Precious in the sight of the Lord is what? Death. To which none of us are brave enough to say at the funeral home, just precious. Wouldn't sound right. But listen to me. We believe that it is. There's a country song that says, Don't cry for me down here. Have you heard that one? Brian Crady sang at the funeral, If you could see me now. That idea is true. This is a biblical idea. There is no sting for those who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. Do you remember my third point at Ray's service? Ray was a good man, Ray was a godly man, and Ray was a going man. And I showed you how he was like the Apostle Paul, who was also a going man. And do you remember in Philippians chapter 1 what Paul said about dying? To die is gain. He said, it would be far better for me to die. He wasn't wasn't dreading it. He wasn't worried about it. He wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to hurt a bit. This is going to sting He thought it would be a better option. Now, I know it sounds crazy to talk this way, but I want to build you up in getting this. Matter of fact, let me say this. You know what stings? Life with all of the sin and its consequences. You know what's stinging right now in life? My family, your family, our loved ones, many people in our lives who do not hope in the death, burial, and resurrection. That stings, that stings, that stings, that stings. That is sin and the consequence of sin and the ripple effect of sin. That stings. You know what doesn't sting? Death when you know Jesus. Jesus. What I'm trying to get you to see is that according to the Word of God, it is the exact opposite of the way we often live. I hear people say life's good, and I hear people say they hate death, when in reality, if you believe the Bible, life stings, sin is everywhere, death is the entryway to eternal life, eternal life with God forever. Now, I'm not asking you to go out and flip every conversation that you have in your house or around a deathbed or at a cemetery or at a funeral home and flip it over and be this real awkward person in any of these conversations. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But I am asking you to believe the truth of the Word of God and to hate sin and realize that the reason why all of our families are stinging right now is because of sin. And the answer to it is the work of Jesus. The answer to it is the death, burial, and resurrection, according to the Scriptures. Why? Why? Why can we say death is not that bad? Listen to me. Because God's already been there, he's already done that, and he's overcome it. God's already died, and he's not dead anymore man, that's good. That is why Paul so strongly can say here, hey, death, where's your victory now? Oh, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? He's mocking death. You know why? It's not because he's bold and confident and proud in any of his goodness or anything like that. It's because the Lord Jesus Christ died and is no longer dead. It's in the rear view for Jesus and it has nothing to do with anything future for Jesus or anybody who hopes in him. And for all of us that will believe in him, death is going to be good. I know it sounds strange to say it, but this is what the Bible teaches us. Look at verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know that verses like that are always taken out of context, and we're trying to use Jesus to make our little situation a little bit better. That's what happens all the time, right? But we're reading it right now in context. What's the victory in verse 57 over? Victory over what? Death. That's exactly right. The sting of death. Y'all know what the victory means, right? You win. So I guess it is true that there are winners and losers. But it doesn't have anything to do with how well you've done. It has everything to do with have you hoped in the work of Jesus? Jesus? his death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures. You do not need to fear death. And if that's us, which by God's grace I pray that it is. We are those with hope. We are those trusting in Christ. Look at verse 58. He gives us the, a therefore If all of that's true, if we are the victors, if we know that we are winning because of Christ and we're not afraid of death and death is not even a sting to us, verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Since even death is not a big deal. We can give all of our lives to the cause of Christ. Now, if death still stings, if the sting of sin is what controls us, then we are not, verse 58, And you can see just how strong this passage is. People who are weak and not steadfast, people who are movable, people who are not abounding in the work of the Lord are not so much those who aren't involved, but they're those who don't have it all placed on what's most important, the work of Christ. When you come to know the work of Christ as your foundation, as your rock, as your salvation, as your identity. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as your identity. When you know that, then you're not worried about death. And when you're not worried about death, you'll do verse 58. You'll keep at it you'll be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor for the Lord is not in vain. So church, let's have a big theology of death like we studied tonight. We're not afraid of it. Now, I don't don't want to die. I hope to have grandkids one day. But if death comes knocking, We ain't worried about it. It won't sting. We're going somewhere better. Matter of fact, what stings is this sinful world and still being in it. Believe that, folks. Believe the scriptures. Believe the work of Christ. Trust in it. And may we be steadfast and move. May we keep abounding in this work to help people find their identity in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for 1 Corinthians 15. Thank you that death does not sting when you believe in the resurrection. Jesus died. He overcame it. God, thank you that we can be comforted with that, with all of our loved ones that have died in Christ. And God, may we be empowered by that as we think of our own lives. God, thank you for Jesus. And may our identities be in him and his work. In his name we pray, amen. Amen.